welcome to this special edition of the Noid Knowledge Podcast, live from Cannabis Science Conference West in Long Beach, California. I'm Meg LaRue, one of your podcast co-hosts and the group editorial director of Cannabis Science and Technology and Cannabis Patient Care Magazines. Unfortunately, my co-host Evan Friedman could not be with us today, so I'll be filling in for him. Throughout the day today, we'll have several speakers from the conference joining us live to share their backgrounds, a little bit about the talks they gave this week, and some general thoughts about the cannabis industry. Our first guests are Ashanika Mino and Bernadette Torres, who gave a talk in the newly launched psychedelics track titled Sacred Tobacco, The Guide for Psychedelic Plants. Mino was born and raised in the central jungle of Peru. He comes from a family of healers who taught him how to work with natural tobacco to eliminate accumulated negative and harmful energy, which is causing disharmony for the person and their space. Bernadette Torres has studied for 16 years with Mino. She learned from her parents, who both come from small ranching communities in northern New Mexico, where they taught her to honor the abundance of wild plants and their ancient wisdom for healing and nutrition. For over 15 years, she has led plant ID walks in the wild and in people's gardens. She has developed and taught herbal courses for university students, massage students, and at-risk youth. Since 2006, Mino and Bernadette have shared tobacco ceremonies and personal healings in their outdoor school, Shabeta's Healing Garden. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. We're happy to be here. So I'd love to hear more about your backgrounds and how you met each other. Can you share that story? Yeah. So we, we, um, the way that we met each other, we were invited to, well, I was invited to, I didn't know I was going to meet him. Uh, I was invited to a gathering of South American people in, in a home in Albuquerque, New Mexico. There was a community of South Americans. And they had invited Mino to um, present and talk about his community. He, at, at that time, he was serving as the ambassador to his community. And he would come um, do these presentations and share, you know, how the impact of our culture, our Western or North American culture has, an, has been impacting their community. And Mino's lifetime, he has watched his culture totally decline to where right now he is working really hard to... Um, save the language because it is a dying language, the um, Ashenika languages. Mm-hmm. The kids are not speaking it. And I was there to do a presentation on herbs that were helpful for cleaning out recreational and environmental toxins from the body. And so um, afterwards, there was a little social gathering, there was dancing, and you know, people were having a good time. And during that, um, during that time, the social part of it, I suddenly had this intense urge to stand up um, to, you know, go to the bathroom. But when I stood up, I actually went it what what people saw is me fainting. Um, But what happened was I was having I was taken into another world realm dream, whatever you want to call it. I had a vision. And in the vision, there was a goddess, a beautiful Indian goddess, long black hair. Um, her, from her waist above, she was completely naked, big-breasted woman. And then the bottom half of her was um, ruins. And at, at the time, I didn't know Machu Picchu. Mm-hmm. But now that I've you know been with Mino, I can say that you know it looked like the bottom half of her body was made up of Machu Picchu. Wow. She had her arms out to me, and she was talking to me in indigenous language. And even though I didn't speak Spanish at the time, um, and I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't think it was Spanish because I could at least recognize it because my parents spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. 
um, I, it, it sounded like a, a foreign language and an indigenous language, but I understood her. She had her arms out, like she was drawing me towards her, welcoming me saying, welcome, it's time for you to learn with us. And wow. yeah, and now I look back and I believe that that was the spirit <clears throat> of the tobacco telling me that it, it was time for me to learn the feminine aspect of the tobacco and how to use it for healing. Wow, so, that's incredible. Yeah, so that was my introduction. When I um, when I was getting ready to leave, because that was pretty intense for me, I you know I wanted to say goodbye to everybody, and I went to go shake Mino's hand to tell him goodbye. And when we grasped hands to shake and say goodbye, it felt like I had stuck my hand in an electrical socket. It wow. shocked me, and it was it was so intense. And he, and he said to me, "Hasta pronto," but it wasn't that I understood the word "see you soon." It was that I felt it in my body, in my mind. I said to myself, oh, I'm going to see this person again. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, a month later, I, you know, we got reconnected and I started taking him to the mountains to um, show him where I gather plants for making medicines or remedios. Mm -hmm. And then he... Um, he would look at the plants and he would tell me, oh, in our language, we call this. And in his Sashenika language, he would tell me what it was called and how they used it. And I, even though my Spanish was very basic, when people talk about plants, I understand. I can, mm -hmm. I can grasp anything that's about, you know, the natural world or plants. So interesting. And so that's how we built. I start to learn to speak fluently through these adventures. We go in all directions of Albuquerque going up to the mountains and he would show me the, he'd say, this plant looks like something we, you know, and he'd tell me the name and then he'd tell me how he used it. And I go, that's exactly how we use it. Mm -hmm. So, but he, theirs grew like trees, you know, we're in the desert where I'm from. They're little, little plants. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, it was beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. um, so how did it proceed from there? Like you guys just kept going on these then, trips? Um, we continued to do presentations, trying to educate the community about how the impact of um, our culture was really destroying the forest and, and the jungle and, mm -hmm. and how um, just the mineral companies, the gas companies, everybody who was going in there and stealing land and harming the people. Here, people, it's too depressing for people. And, and so people weren't really listening. And then one night, he, Mino had a vision and his grandpa came to him. And his grandpa told him that he needed to, you know, do his Sherry Piari work. So his, his working with the tobacco. Mm -hmm. And before that, Mino had been teaching me techniques, healing techniques, how to do vendosa. So that's like candle work where you, um, you pull out energy with candles. But when his grandpa came to him in that vision and told him he had he needed to do this work, he started working on me, showing me how he worked with the tobacco. And I was we were just doing a demonstration. I didn't I didn't expect anything to happen because he had been working on me so long. I just, you know, feel relaxed and stuff like that. But after his grandpa gave him permission, as soon as he laid his hands on me and he put the tobacco on me, I saw Otorongo, which is the jaguar, the jungle, it was right in my face, staring at me. And I said, okay, wow. this is, we need to change our course a little bit or a lot of it. Yeah. And so we started focusing in on working with the tobacco and, and mostly we were working in person. So people would come to us. It takes about an hour and a half to do a, a session with us. But then during the pandemic, we, we, 
and we, he had been doing remote because there's a lot of people that would learn about him and they would come to Albuquerque and then they couldn't travel, but they really wanted another session or they wanted one of their friends back home to do a session. So he would do remote long distance healing. Mm-hmm. And then, but during the pandemic, we, since nobody could come to us, we were doing full-time long distance and we continue to do long distance. And both of us feel that the remote long distance is more powerful than in person, but people who like to come see us, they insist on, on coming in person just mm-hmm. because they want to talk to us. I think they yeah. like being, you know, with us in our space. But um, for us, we, the sessions long distance, you it's because we're working with energy. We're not looking at the person's body, their faces. We don't have our, cause we're, I mean, we're deaf. You can see that we're human. <laughs> so we have our own prejudices and I have definitely my own programming as an American woman. Mm-hmm. And so when we're just, you know, doing energetic work, we talk on the phone to the person and then, um, so I don't know what anybody looks like. So I'm just feeling their vibration. I'm listening to their voice. Um, you know, I'm learning about them on a different level. And, um, so the sessions, they're not as long. It doesn't take an hour and a half anymore. It takes about an hour, maybe sometimes an hour and 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I, I let the person sleep afterwards. Cause it's like, sometimes it's like surgery. So people feel tired. They feel work you know, like their body feels really heavy and tired. Mm -hmm. So they'll either fall asleep or they'll go into a little trance state. Um, And I do a guided meditation to help people get into that state. And then I hang up and then they stayed up, you know, for another hour in that state. And then um, in the morning time, I call up people and I give them the summary of what Mino found and people go, oh, that's where I had an old injury. Oh, that's where I was in pain. This is where it's been hurting me. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's validation to the person mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that they really got worked on. Cause it's hard, you know, we don't understand energy work and, right. and I, I'm the same way. I was skeptical at first too. Like, how do you do energy work? I don't get this traveling business, but you know, ever after 16 years and I write down notes so that I can learn and so that, you know, I can give people better, um, understanding about what was you know, what it felt like and and what was going on with them. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty new to all of this, Mm -hmm. but I'm, is it similar to Reiki? Like I know a little bit about Reiki. Yeah. Um, How would it compare to Reiki? I, I also am am a trained Reiki master and, um, and it can be similar to it except for, for me, my experience with Reiki is that I always fell asleep instantly. And when I woke up, I felt so incredibly um, exhilarated, Mm -hmm. so much energy in us. But I think with, um, with the difference with, with the work that Mino does is that you don't always fall asleep, that you go into memory because he's drawing out energy from, you know, the, parts of your body where the DNA is impacted and it's not flowing. Mm -hmm. And so it pulls out, um, memory tissue too. I don't know. It probably is very similar to Reiki. That's really cool. Yeah. It's really interesting. So what brought you guys to the cannabis science conference and and speaking here about the tobacco healing sessions and, you know, the spiritual journey that people go on, how would cannabis people relate to that in your mind? So uh, the way that people would relate to it is that tobacco, just like cannabis, has, a, you know, like a negative stigma to it. You know, people just think, oh, they're drugs. 
oh, tobacco stinks. It's, it's bad for your health. It's messing up your lungs. It's going to kill you. And so um, we were looking at these plants that have been demonized and they're really very powerful. I like to think of them as, you know, like the spirit of a person. Well, the spirit of the plants are similar, but they're like wise teachers, wise men and women. And so we've put them in jail and we've mm -hmm. kept them there. And now we're opening these, these doors and we're saying, okay, you can come out. We're saying which ones can come out. Mm -hmm. But these are natural plants that have been used by indigenous people forever. And all of us are indigenous. It might not be like me, you no know, first generation indigenous or me, a couple of generations indigenous or um, other people who have come from European descent. They still had indigenous roots. And so everybody at some point can relate to that. The beauty of Mino's sessions is that he clears those lineages also. So where that trauma started way back, you know, whatever generation it was for your family, he works on the father's lineage and the mother's lineage, clearing those blockages so that you can be free of those programmings and so that you can be in this moment learning, open, and receptive like a child. Mm -hmm. You know, when a child's born, they're free. They don't make these prejudiced decisions. They're just like, oh, let me try this. Oh, mm -hmm. let me smell this, you know? Yeah. And so that's, you know, what we're, we're, we're hoping in, we're hoping to inspire people here to recognize that, you know, tobacco is really a powerful and sacred and beautiful ally. That's awesome. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about your talk from yesterday and, and how the attendees responded to it? Did yeah. people seem receptive? It, the, the presentation yesterday was very much like what I'm telling you right now. Mm -hmm. We, I know that there's a lot of people here that um, came with a real strong academic background. I mean, it is science and, um, and I love science. I really do. But I believe that indigenous knowledge is pre-science. It's like mm -hmm. they didn't need the, the fancy words, the fancy talks. They had proof from their connection to nature and to the spirit, mm -hmm. they had that connection. And so they would never give anything to a community member, their family that would do harm to them. They were given permission by the plants. They had this connection, like in my vision, these beings that would come to them and show themselves to them and tell them exactly, this is the, the measurements. This is how long you cook it. This is what you do to activate the, the constituents that are going to help you. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there, you know, there was a few people in the very beginning that did leave because our, 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 what we call presentation is platica. We're really sharing. We're, um, it's like, you come to my house, I'll make you tea. We'll sit down, we'll talk and we'll share with you whatever questions you have, but it's not academic. It is not, you know, scientific. I'm not going to talk about the botanical names and all, all the constituents because um, it's not that I don't care. But in, in some ways, I don't. I really, my priority is the spirit of the person and mm -hmm. the spirit of the plant, making these connections and helping people to feel that connectedness again. Um, we did have a lot of people afterwards um, ask questions. So with the question part, we uh, there was you know, a lineup of people that wanted to ask us questions. So we, um, we had people, we had an interview at four o'clock and we had people talking to us until we I almost had to 
interrupt people and go, we got to go, we got to go. <laughs> so we, it was very well accepted by the people that were there. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes the, I don't know if they're left brain, like the people that focus on the science, they, yeah. they can't open themselves up to yeah. like spirituality and, yeah. and different ways of doing things. So Not it's, yet, it's but I hope that a seed was planted, you know, at yeah, least, absolutely. you know, because I think if people, I think the linear um, way of thinking is important, but I think if, if we can weave in the, you know, this spiritual or the feminine, you know, it just softens it and it helps make it more rounded, the, the teachings you know mm-hmm. so i really do love science i love that you know they're figuring out things that we already knew mm-hmm. that's great so i mean on this same vein here why is it important to you guys to share your culture and your history with with, with people like myself who are you know completely outside of that mm-hmm. and just sharing that knowledge yeah we were talking about this last night we want them to feel hope you know because I think that there's so much bad news, you know, about world events and climate change and disasters all over the world. And we're, we're just seeing more violence and that, you know, I know that's the news. And if we avoid that, we're not going to see, but it's going on. I mean, you Mm -hmm. can look around, you see homeless everywhere and people who are suffering. So we're hoping, you know, to give people inspiration and hope that if, more and more people start to feel connected to nature that will take care of the land. This is our home. The land is our home, not our houses, not these structures that we live in. Those are not our home. The land is our home. And so to help people reconnect instead of being afraid of it, because a lot of people, when I take them up into the mountains, they're like, do you come up here alone? And um, Yes, I come up here. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for years and years. I come up here alone, but I love to bring people up. But people are afraid to go into the mountains by themselves. They're afraid of nature. And so I'm, I'm hoping, you know, to inspire people to reconnect mm-hmm. with nature. Yeah, that's and cool. that's Mino's goal, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it any better in, in Peru with, with your culture? Or are the younger generation, like, learning and trying to keep it going? Yeah, that's Mino's working on that right now. He's working on a language program to help um, re-educate not only the children, but the adults to speak to their children and to have a program where they um, can offer to the to the youth and how to um, draw them back in mm-hmm. because you know they're you know starting to adapt to American culture, North American culture. They're you know want to be cool kids, you know, doing the cool thing, which you know isn't really um, honoring and acknowledging their indigenous roots. So mm-hmm. they're trying to create a program and he talks on a daily basis to a group of other um, ambassadors from other communities that are um, connected to his community so they're all trying to come together so that they can uh, strengthen themselves to make this program really strong that's great awesome um can you tell us a little bit about your school shabetas healing garden yeah so shabetas healing garden is an outdoor school when you come to us there will be no walls around you no roof because we want you to be able to feel smell see and so we create gardens all over albuquerque we have created gardens full of um, herbs and medicinal plants and so people can touch they can feel they can see it from seed to flowering and they can be part of the process of turning it into a salve or a, a vinegar or any kind of tinctures. And um, so they could really 
do the work with their own hands so they can use all of their senses to be involved in it. That's so cool. Yeah. I want to come. Oh, good. <laughs> I want you to come. Um, so it's, and it's open to everybody, right? It's open to everybody. It's and we'll do group classes. Like I'll set up group classes, but also some people are just traveling through Albuquerque and they say, hey, I met you here and, and I don't have a lot of time. I will take them on an individual tour and mm -hmm. spend time with them individually. That's so nice. Yeah. Can you discuss your private and public medicinal plant ID hikes for the integrative medical students at the University of New Mexico? Oh, yeah. So um, there is, yeah, there's a, an integrative program at UNM, and the doctors and nurses would come to me, and I would take them up into the Sandias. Sometimes I would take them to the Manzanos or the Hemis. Those are the mountains in all directions of us. And we, I would just explain to them how these plants help with the different ailments that go on with the person. And um, a lot of people will walk up into the mountains and they just, you know, they they want to hike, you know, they want to get up the mountain. So they're all prepared in their boots and their backpacks and water packs. And and it's like as soon as we get out of the car, there is 20 plants, you know. And so it's like we don't hike. It is more like a walk mm -hmm. and talk. And, um, and then they're blown away because they're like, wow, I didn't even know. I would have never saw that because every the plants all connect to each other. And so you don't differentiate who's who. Mm -hmm. And so we sit there going one by one, this plant is used for this, this plant, you know, and, and sometimes it's just food, you know, which I think we need to know about too, because it's full of nutrients. It's not degraded yet. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's so nice to hear that the, the university is open to, to have you yeah. educate their oh, students I, like that. I love it. I am so happy when there is um, people with the open mind. To It doesn't have to be totally pharmaceutical. Yeah. It's like, come on, let me, let me see if there's something else I can give my patients. Because the side effects of pharmaceutical medicines are as harmful or worse than the ailment the person's suffering yeah, from. it's horrible sometimes. So it's like, come on, let's work with plants. Let's get people um, eating good food. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the cannabis science conference or anything you've experienced while you've been here? Um, people have been so nice here. I just have loved the crowd and the Long Beach is beautiful. So I've just really enjoyed it. Me, I think Mino might... Mino, ¿quieres compartir algo sobre la conferencia? Okay, yeah, he said I said everything. <laughs> Great. Well, that's all the time we have. So thank you both so much for joining us today, and it's oh, been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Meg. We really enjoyed talking with you, too. My next guest joining us from Cannabis Science Conference West Live is Amazon John Easterling, who gave a talk in the medical track titled Combining Cannabis and Amazon Herbs for Target Benefit. Amazon John has 30 years of cannabis and rainforest plant medicine experience that has been profiled on TV and documentaries. He is the author of Traditional Uses of Rainforest Botanicals and Healing Ourselves, Healing Our Planet. His focus is cultivating and formulating plant medicine for cancer and degenerative issues. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. So you've been involved in cultivation and the study of cannabis and rainforest botanicals for many years. Can you tell us what has been the biggest change you have seen in plant medicine study and usage since you began your work? Uh, well, so it's dramatically a different world now than, than when I started, which was back in the early 90s. So obviously, with uh, this was even before DeShay Law, the Dietary Supplement Health Education Act, which really gave legitimacy to the entire herbal industry. 
even before that, just working with uh, botanicals, Amazonian botanicals, or any botanicals, and botanical extracts in America, uh, the regulatory-wise, the whole thing was in a gray area, and mm. companies were being shut down. It's hard to imagine that for just normal, you know, the herbage. But that's the way it was until 1994, and it uh, created a, a legitimate uh, framework for dietary supplements, and then everything really began to, to grow from there. And so there's been dramatic growth in that industry. And of course, in the cannabis industry, uh, in the early 90s, uh, compared to today, is really a night and a day mm. sort of situation. So there's been dramatic changes, you know, especially in the last 10 years mm -hmm. in the uh, cannabis space. So. What does all that mean? Uh, really what it means is much, much greater exposure of information and greater exposure of products to people mm -hmm. and greater appreciation, I think, from people using the product. And that has inspired uh, research as they see people you know, getting uh, benefits and the benefits actually become known. Then you get a lot more research going on and then you get uh, you know, more, more resources and more capital coming into the to the space. And so it's a, it's a very dynamic space and a growing space. And so, yeah, just substantial growth and exposure and education. I think the education still has a long way to go from a therapeutic standpoint of mm -hmm. cannabis. And I think cannabis in this case will be a great door opener to, for people to recognize the value of, of other plants in the plant kingdom. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, we talk about the entourage effect with uh, cannabis, and that's actually the way every botanical works, has its own entourage of various supporting compounds and things. So I'm pretty excited about uh, how, how it's grown, people's appreciation of it, and now the recognition that, hey, there's some very serious therapeutic value here, and we're getting more into the finer parts of which in cannabis, which cannabinoids, which terpenes, what combination of these are the best for inflammatory issues or apoptosis or, or sleep or ADHD or, or the multiplicity of, of benefits of cannabis. It all depends on those, uh, those compounds. And that's, I think, where we're getting into it now, taking these compounds and these profiles of uh, molecules more seriously to look at targeted benefit. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things it's helping people with. It's really incredible. Yeah. So what has been some of your most inspiring or surprising moments along the way of studying plants? Uh, probably, you know, Raphael Macholem uh, showed that the endocannabinoid system, that practically every cell in our body has a is receptor site uh, for endocannabinoids. Mm -hmm. Now that was that was startling. Uh, and did we co-evolve with cannabis as a plant? I and mean, how does that even come around? I don't know. But the idea that we have receptor sites on every cell in our body for cannabis, and the fact that cannabis presents itself in a variety of different ways, different compounds, different terpenes, different flavonoids, and cannabinoids, that we kind of are learning how to fit maybe more in a lock and key sort of situation some of those cannabinoids with this endocannabinoid uh, system. Mm -hmm. So that was a, I think, a really uh, eye opener for me 
because that that's really, really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've mentioned terpenes a few times. So for anyone listening that doesn't maybe know, like they don't just come from, from cannabis. Can you tell, talk about like, you know, where else you might find the terpenes and other uh, Any plant's going to have some terpenes. Terpenes are essentially the essential oils mm-hmm. in plants that give it a smell. And when you're smelling a plant, you're smelling a rose or you're smelling a lemon, you know, or you're smelling whatever you're smelling, you're smelling a skunk. I mean, those are the, uh, those, that's, that's the terpenes that you're picking up on. And the thing with plants, plants produce these terpenes uh, depending on where they live and what their environment is. They produce them for their own life purpose to attract pollinators and to repel predators. Mm-hmm. So you have a plant that's growing in Afghanistan uh, and you grow it the first time, say, in California. It's going to have a certain terpene profile, you know, based on its genetics and its history. And if you, if you grow that plant continuously in that environment, you'll see that the terpenes will begin to change because it has different predators, it has different pollinators. And so those terpenes will begin to uh, shift and, and change. Mm-hmm. And the terpenes all have, you know, it's the, it's the whole body of science around essential oils. Right. Uh, and cannabis has, you know, I mean, limonene. Uh, so you've got... You've got lots of, which is one of my favorites, uh, you know, so that's, that's a terpene. Mm-hmm. And so how does that work with, with cultivators like yourself? You know, you want to grow in different environments or maybe in different states, like, but you want to have a consistent product. So is it, do you have to be limited to a greenhouse or an indoor grow of some kind, or do you just have to kind of like carefully watch the plant and see what kind of terpenes you're getting? Yeah, I like the, I like the greenhouse because uh, my greenhouse, there's a the big chunk of the roof that's gone uh, by intention. So they get direct sunlight mm-hmm. um, as well, because I think it's, it's very difficult. Everyone's trying to mimic direct sunlight, but, you know, we have a sun that's already done that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, like, I like to use the, uh, the sun and you, and you definitively get better terpene profiles from, uh, from plants exposed to the sun as opposed to indoor. I think mm-hmm. anyone will kind of, kind of agree with that. So um, the, uh, where I grow in, uh, in Southern California is a really beautiful climate for growing cannabis. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I breed some genetics uh, together in different terpenes from, from, you know, uh, from a plant or I breed for cannabinoids or I breed for flavonoids or or uh, any of those therapeutic compounds. And um, so it takes a long time uh, uh, generating, but if I, if, I, if I bred plants and I have seed from that stock, then that seed is gonna continue to produce that same terpene, because it'll be for essentially that, you know, that next generation. Mm-hmm. Or if I, if I breed two of those plants and then breed the offspring of that again, if I'm doing that over time, those will begin to or begin to change. Mm-hmm. They'll change their uh, terpene expressions. Interesting. Um, where are some areas you see room for growth in plant medicine study and the industry overall? Um, I I think there's room for growth pretty much in every space. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of 
plant medicine as plant medicine, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just the plants of full spectrum uh, extraction uh, techniques. And that can run into some hurdles if you're trying to do serious research. If you're doing research, and I shouldn't say that, you can do serious research with that for your own benefit. And, and uh, you know, if you take capital and all to do that. But that can only go so far if you're looking for a return on the capital because that plant, if it's containing, uh, you know, THC is going to have to be grown in a state and processed in a state and sold only in that state. Mm -hmm. So this is a very complicating uh, factor. And if you're going for something that would actually be approved um, in a different category, like as a drug, it's going to be... I'm not going to say it's impossible, but there's so many variables in the, uh, in the natural product uh, that it's hard to get a specific profile of those that you're going to be able to replicate over mm -hmm. and over for, you know, the, the stringent uh, the drug applications with the FDA. So normally that uh, with <clears throat> people defaults into uh, using isolates uh, mm -hmm. for that. And of course, when you use isolates, then you're missing the, the terpenes uh, normally, and you're missing, you know, the whole idea of the entourage effect with all the other uh, factors. So uh, I can run uh, like 15 cannabinoids at, uh, in my lab at the ranch, uh, with, you know, high pressure liquid chromatography, but we know there's, there's over a hundred. Mm -hmm. And so I can run the major ones and, uh, you know, in, in Israel, you know, at Daddy's lab, he's running uh, over a hundred, mm -hmm. and many of these don't even have a name. You know, they just have a number. You can only name so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he started getting numbers and, and letters, but in his uh, research, and I had the opportunity to talk to him uh, a week before last. You know, it's always the case that it looks like you have a certain profile of these cannabinoids. And then you start taking cannabinoids out of that particular mixture to mm -hmm. see if you're going to get still getting the same benefit. And you take the THC out and you're still getting the same benefit. You take the CBD out, you're still getting the same benefit. You take, start taking all these known cannabinoids out and you're still getting the same benefit. So it's one of the very, very, very minor, almost unknown cannabinoids that just have a number. Yeah. So that's exciting. It just shows how far we have to go. The more mm -hmm. we know, the more we know that there's more to know. Yeah, like the <laughs> you more you know, the more you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. exactly. Yeah, it's really interesting. I love Dr. Daddy's research. It's so fascinating what they're doing over there in Israel and that they have access and the capability to do the research, which is kind of limited here in the U.S. Yeah, they're doing, they've got some full-on projects going there. Yeah. Um, so what are some ways that others can become involved in studying or using cannabis or other plants as medicine? Uh, just do it. I'm a huge advocate of growing your own because that way you can select the genetics that you want to grow and you control the entire grow environment and the process. So if you don't want to use chemical fertilizers, well, don't use chemical fertilizers. If you mm -hmm. want to grow in a, uh, in a, in a natural way, you want to increase the microbiology in the soil as a way to really kickstart the, the health and the vitality and the and the yield and the cannabinoid production and the terpene production, you know, you can really start learning about those aspects of plant medicine because it all starts with the way that plant's grown. You know, if you're growing medicine with, uh, you know, with really harsh chemicals in a, 
in a strange environment, yeah, you can force it to flower. You can force it to, uh, you know, have really nice looking buds and to be cosmetically appealing. But if you're growing for therapeutic value, you know, that you're going to use a different approach to go with that. So mm -hmm. depending on what your uh, outcome is or the outcome you like to see if you're growing medicinally, uh, it's a big plus to grow yourself because that way you develop a relationship with the plant, which is, I think, really critical. Mm -hmm. And you can input your intentionality into these plants and into that grow and, and watch that plant grow. And, and that's part of the healing process right there. It's mm -hmm. great. How do you see the Cannabis Science Conference helping to promote cannabis science in the past and in the future? Um, you know, I think I, I really, I, I like the Cannabis Science Conference a lot. And uh, I come and I always have some unexpected benefit. You know, I mm -hmm. come because I can see some, some colleagues that catch up with them. What are they doing? What's their research showing? You know, what's happening there? And, mm -hmm. and there's so much changing. It's such a dynamic space that you really can't keep up with everything individually. So mm -hmm. coming here, because there's so many tracks, you've got the hemp track, cultivation track, analytics, and a medical track, uh, whatever your area of, of interest is, because I'll sit in one and I get up and go across the hall, you know, you're being exposed to a lot of information and a lot of really good uh, data and getting some, you know, top tier kind of uh, presenters. And that's that's really nice to, to come in for two or three days and get a really good dose and a really good catch up on the, uh, you know, the, the latest happening and the most current areas that people are working in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the show. It's so you learn so much in such a short amount of time. Um, yeah. So can you share a little bit about your talk from this week and how it was received by the attendees? Um, well, you probably have to ask the attendees. They seem to be pretty engaged in the, in the talk. And that's great. I always, you know, you try to make it as, as, as fun and entertaining as you can and present, uh, you know, uh, good, good data. But it, was, it seemed to be very well received. It was a talk about combining um, uh, cannabis with Amazonian plants for targeted therapeutic benefit. Mm -hmm. So we know there's a lot of, in this case, looking specifically at degenerative issues and, and cancer being included in that. Um, there's a lot of plants in the Amazon that have uh, a variety of effects, you know, uh, especially looking at cancer. I mean, we want to look at the angiogenesis of cancer when a tumor's forming and, and reaching out with vascularity. And there's anti-angiogenesis plants that will help shut down that, that growth. And other ones that help create an apoptosis or actually kill cancer cells. Other plants that would slow or slow a migration of cells or slow the ability for cells to metastasize and then basic anti-inflammatory plants. So my talk was about how using uh, all of these and some plants affect the, the chemical signaling uh, pathways or metabolic pathways of cancer uh, activity. So it's looking at, at building a model of, of, of using a variety of plants, including, can, including cannabis, because uh, cannabis has many of those same properties I just mentioned, different cannabinoids, but selecting different uh, cannabinoids or different genetics to, to, to get those cannabinoids and then uh, combining that with Amazonian plants. Anyway, that's that's what it was about. That's awesome. I think we had fun with it. Yeah, that's great. So do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with, with the attendees or the audience that's listening? 
Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, there's it's, it's, a, it's a such still such a dynamic space. And my focus is on the therapeutic side and that we continue to get new findings and new breakthroughs in that area. And it's going to be it's going to be very different than in the next five years. I think some of the advances that we're going to see in the therapeutics of cannabis use. That's amazing. Thank you so much, uh, John, for taking the time to talk to us. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Right. My next guest joining us from Cannabis Science Conference Live is Dr. Lakeisha Jenkins, who gave a talk in the medical track titled Dietary Modulation of the ECS. Dr. Lakeisha is a traditional naturopath and registered clinical herbalist. Her core competencies include utilizing herbs as the basis of nutrition to combat the symptoms of chronic, degenerative, and terminal illness. While her focus includes the biochemical and physiological effect of phytocannabinoids, she is an advocate for all plant medicine. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Excited to talk to you. Um, so you are a naturopath, registered clinical herbalist, and a world-renowned medical cannabis expert. Can you tell us how you see naturopathic medicine, specifically phytocannabinoids, providing treatments and healing in ways that conventional medicine hasn't? I think that um, for me, and it's what I speak about all the time, just as my uh, talk here at the Cannabis Science Con Conference, it's directly related to the dietary modulation. There's a nutritional component that really needs to be taken into consideration. Yes, there are medicinal and therapeutic actions that are associated with phytocannabinoids and phytocannabinoid supplementation, but our entire endogenous cannabinoid system that runs the length of our bodies and is actually found in most of our organs and tissues, even our skin is in charge of creating balance or homeostasis and helping our bodies to manage stress. We produce endogenous cannabinoids, but we don't produce enough. And just like we don't produce, you know, vitamins and minerals that we need, like iron and vitamin A and vitamin C, and we have to get it through food, there's a nutritional component to phytocannabinoid supplementation that needs to be a part of the broader conversation. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, where are some areas you see room for growth in plant medicine and nutrition? I think the areas for growth is... Um, just research. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start there with the research. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence, you know, ancestral even um, evidence that exists. You know, there are a lot of indigenous communities that use plants, not only as medicine, but also as food, as medicine, um, where they may not be able to articulate the therapeutic or medicinal actions, but it's been proven over generations that it just works. Mm -hmm. I think where the research needs to start is with codifying the dispensing and titrate dosing of all botanical medicine. So it can be taken a bit more seriously by, you know, the conventional medical community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see, like, do you face a lot of bias? Definitely. Absolutely, 100%, because it's just, it's unknown. And mm. unfortunately, botanical medicine, specifically phytocannabinoid supplementation, does not fit into the box of pharmacology. Mm. <laughs> it just <Yeah>. doesn't. <laughs> no matter how much you want it to, you know, so that you could have these 
um, you know, uh, identify dose and those types of things and really follow the metric of having a specific blend that's good for a specific set of symptoms. Because phytocannabinoid supplementation is so personalized and it works at an individual level and everybody's different, it unfortunately doesn't fit in that box. Mm -hmm. And neither does most botanical botanical medicine. It's nutritional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, what has been your biggest takeaway about nutrition, cannabis, and the prevention of the symptoms of illness in your work? I think for me, you know, being a traditional naturopath, we believe that there's one illness and that's the absence of health, whatever that means for you. Mm -hmm. I understand that you have symptoms and those symptoms have been grouped into a disease diagnosis. And, you know, you have this treatment protocol that you come up with. We don't work in that area. The way that we work is plain and simple. You're not in balance. You're not in homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Your body is not operating optimally. Why? There's a set of questions and answers that we can go through to try to figure that out. But what we really look for is the root cause of that imbalance and going towards correcting that imbalance. Sometimes it addresses the symptoms immediately. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But for us, we're more interested in actually fixing the problem and reversing the symptoms as opposed to masking them and just putting a Band-Aid on it. Mm -hmm. So what would a, like a typical patient, maybe not typical, but like, can you give me some examples of like what people would come to you and say, like, I'm having trouble sleeping or, you know, I have this chronic pain. And then is that something that you would try to help like figure out, like, is it your diet? Is it this? Is it that? Absolutely. Anything. <clears throat> Literally. I'd be probably considered like if you put me into the box of conventional medicine i'd be considered like a family practitioner a general mm -hmm. practitioner something's wrong you come in and you try to figure out why that something's yeah. wrong you know type thing i wouldn't be one of those people well i mean there are some specialties that i have like cancer prevention and other things so i could fit into some of the specialty boxes but for the most part because i operate from finding out the root cause of what's going on with your imbalance, I'd be considered like a general family, something's wrong, I'm out of balance, mm -hmm. come see Dr. Lakeisha and help me, I'll help you figure out why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Um, what are some challenges you have encountered as a woman of color in the field of medicine? Well, um, there's just a lot of stigma and bias um, in being a woman of color, just period, you know, living in the skin I'm in, it, it can be, you know, an uphill battle um, to have your voice heard and to be taken um, very seriously. What I can say is the cannabis community, for the most part, has definitely embraced myself, embraced my practices, my thought processes, and I really am appreciative of platforms such as the Cannabis Science Conference that really help to amplify that voice mm -hmm. and to get my message out there. So that that really helps. That's great. Yeah. I think Josh Crossney does a great job. Of he really does. I love Josh. like yours. And yeah. <laughs> he, he's like, he lifts people up. I yes, love that about him. Definitely. Um, 
So speaking of Josh and the Cannabis Science Conference, how do you see the Cannabis Science Conference helping to promote cannabis science in the past and moving forward in the future? I think that it's been an integral part of making sure that, again, we're taken seriously by the conventional medical community. You know, um, like I said, when it comes to botanical medicine, namely cannabis, especially and with prohibition, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence on why and how it works. Mm -hmm. When you work with, you know, reputable organizations such as the Cannabis Science Conference, when you're being promoted by reputable people such as Josh Krosny and helping your voice to get amplified and heard, I think that, and you include the analytics and different, you know, real um, quantitative evidence and research, again, you know, into it, it helps for this industry to be taken seriously. And mm -hmm. I think that that is the most important step. You know, it's not gonna happen overnight. So I'm thankful for the long running of the Cannabis Science Conference. And I hope to see it here for many years to come because it we need more of this. Mm -hmm. There's not enough of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your talk from this week and how it went, you know, what people engaged? Yeah, yeah, it really, you know, I was, <laughs> So I have to say the highlight <laughs> for me is I was walking um, through the halls of the Cannabis Science Conference today and Amazon John, who I'm a big fan. Yep, I had him um, on this yeah, I'm a big fan of <laughs> Amazon great. John. I saw him and he said to me, um, I really enjoyed your talk. And I was like, wow, you were in the room and you listened to me and you enjoyed my talk. Like what? That for me? <laughs> I had like a little fangirl moment. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Really, yeah, I was, um, I have to say, I, that was probably my biggest takeaway um, because <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm that person that's always, um, you know, promoting and advocating for plant medicine. I'm always advocating for, you know, you are what you eat, your food is medicine, you know, nutritional mm -hmm. supplementation and those types of things. So I hear I hear a number of accolades from people, the general public, you know, letting me know that my message is well received and I appreciate that. But that was a fangirl moment, <laughs> I have to admit. And I don't, that wouldn't have happened anywhere else but this cannabis science conference. So that was exciting for me. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so great to hear. Um, so your daughter is here with us. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Carly and the treatments that you're trying with her and if there is somewhere that people can go to learn more about her condition or help in any way. Yeah, definitely. So um, my daughter, Carlene, was diagnosed with a suspected retinoblastoma, which is eye cancer, um, in October of 2020 um, when she was five months old. Um, she's now two. She turned two on May 7th. And yeah, we were using natural therapies with her. And um, we actually were successful in eradicating the tumor. We got a clean, no tumor detected MRI in um, May of 2021. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, just recently in March, we've had a reoccurrence um, of the tumor and it came back with a vengeance. Um, so we are looking to, you know, implement some conventional and also 
um, more alternative and complementary therapies mm -hmm. um, for her. She um, is actively being treated right now at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. Mm -hmm. We're working with a number of the wonderful people Dr. Jewett, who I just met here at the Cannabis Science Conference with the new therapy with the killer cells for cancer that she seems like she's going to be a candidate for. Um, I'm really excited about that. The number of resources that I've been able to just glean from being here at the conference. I know that I have the best of the best when it comes to conventional when it comes to alternative and complementary between all of my peers and loved ones in this cannabis community, between all of the people that I know in the conventional medical field, we will find the best solutions um, for Carlene. And if you want to um, follow any updates, she does have a website and a mailing list. Mm -hmm. It's Coins for Carlene. Okay. So um, yeah, like Coins, C-O-I-N-S. For F O R spelled out and C A R L Y coinsforcarly.com. Um, and I try to post there on a regular basis her updates so people can follow her on her journey. Yeah, we will uh, include a link at the show notes for this episode of the Thank podcast. Thank you. Definitely. I appreciate that. Yeah, and please keep us keep us posted. I hope it works out. That would be amazing if you were able to work with Dr. Jouette. That's I am so incredible. I cannot tell you. I talked to her in the lobby today. She gave me all of her personal contact information. Wow. I'm actually connecting her with the doctors at Sloan. So oh I'm this is what I can't, you know, I know I had a talk, <laughs> I know, but this is really the beauty and the magic of the cannabis science conference. Yeah, you know, is. even for me, somebody who's been in the field and I'm someone who's speaking here, the resources that I'm able to gain and glean from this conference, mm -hmm. it just, it shows you the real credibility of the conference. Yeah, itself. absolutely. And there's amazing connections. Yeah, absolutely. Real life. Real life. Yeah. <laughs> real life. Real world. Yeah. Real life, real world. Yes. Um, so that, those are most of my questions. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with anybody? No, I just want to say thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Carly wants to get her a few words in. No. Thank you for having us. And thank you for the support that you give to the Cannabis Science Conference. Because like I said, there's not enough of this and we need more of us. So thank you. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lakeisha. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and uh, hopefully we'll keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Last but not least, we are joined by Josh Crossney, the founder of the Cannabis Science Conference and director of cannabis events at MJH Life Sciences. Thank you for joining me today to help wrap up this podcast episode. Thank you for having me, Meg. It's been great having you at the show and it was an exciting few days. It sure was. Can you tell me what have been some of your top highlights from our first show here in Long Beach? Yeah, so obviously, you know, our ever popular Canna Boot Camp was a great success. We had a great day uh, kicking off the event on Wednesday with that. And then, you know, the amount of talks that we've had at the show is just so amazing how many great speakers we had lined up um, and that, you know, we had so many attendees and the sessions were so well attended. Some of my, you know, favorite talks that stand out to me are obviously Montel Williams. He always speaks with such passion and, you know, everyone always leaves his sessions feeling so motivated to really go out and affect change into our industry. Um, you know, we had some really great talks in our newly launched psychedelic science track. 
We had Dr. Denise Vadeau from the University of Miami that talked about her cannabis and psychedelic uh, COVID research. We also had Dr. Allison Drazen from the Ames Institute that talked about um, her work with doing assisted psychotherapy, um, assisted psychotherapy, psychedelic therapy. I think I got that right. <laughs> Not really, but um, but yeah, so so many great talks. And then obviously also Shaman Mino and Bernadette really resonated with so many of the attendees. Um, you know, our pediatric uh, track um, in the medical track is always so popular and so inspiring. We heard from Riley Maidler, who shared her story of medical cannabis. And it's really great working with people like Riley and her family and seeing her grow up over the years. And now she's 16 years old and so well-spoken and able to get up there and share her own story. So no shortage of great presentations. Those are just a few. Uh, oh, and we can't forget about Professor Richard Van Bremen and all of his groundbreaking research he shared um, out of the University of Oregon on cannabinoids and COVID infections. So that was really exciting as well. And, you know, we just were really excited to be in Long Beach for the first time. And, you know, the facility here is so beautiful and not to mention the weather. So any of you that missed it, we obviously want you to come join us in Baltimore in September, but also consider joining us here in Long Beach next year. Definitely. Can you share any plans for the future of this conference series? Yeah. So obviously, like I just mentioned, we will be doing our next edition of CSC in Baltimore at the convention center, um, September 14th through 16th. We're really excited and looking forward to that. We're also talking about adding some additional um, avenues to the conference. So we'll have more details on that coming soon. But um, but yeah, it's it's been really great so far. And now being part of MJH, we're at our first show, you know, together as a an actual team. And um, I think everything went great. And I'm really excited for the future. Me too. It's exciting. Um, so we did this special Canagram scavenger hunt this year at the, to the show this week. And uh, I'd like to do the drawing with you to choose our winner for the grand prize trip to Jamaica. Yes, absolutely. So our grand prize winner, drum roll please, <laughs> is Courtney Rodriguez. So Courtney Rodriguez, we will be in touch with you to share the information about your amazing package that you just won to Coral Cove Wellness Retreat. And we'd like to give a special thanks to Coral Cove Wellness for providing um, this three night, four day stay at their beautiful facility that will include um, the stay and also all wellness amenities and breakfast. So a little jealous about that. So yeah, I hope Courtney- take us with you, Courtney. Yeah, you can take me and Meg with you. We'd be happy to come. So we will also be in touch with our second and third place winners who uh, will be receiving information about those prizes and how to claim them. Terrific. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I just would like to say, you know, thank you to everyone who came out. It's been- you know, such a great journey over the years. And, you know, our mission that we set out to do was to advance cannabis science. And I think over the years, we've definitely played our part in doing that. And we're excited to work together with MJH and with our speakers and vendors and attendees to continue to push the needle forward and advance this industry and make this medicine accepted for all. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Josh. That's all the time we have for this episode of Noid Knowledge. We'll see you next time. Bye.